long as I remember, the rain been falling down, clouds of mystery pouring, confusion on the ground. Good men through the ages trying to find the sun, and I wonder, still I wonder. Who stop the rain? <laughs> Raf, thank you very much, man. Welcome to the construction life. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. This is great, man. So good to finally meet. Uh, I know that we roundabout Kevin Bacon. We know a bunch of similar people. Uh, well, that's that's construction, man. So it's good to have you here. Uh, I want to let everybody know I'm wearing heavy-duty homes today. Actually, particular favorite tea of mine. Thank you very much, Phil. Uh, I like this tea, and I like that you got the Canadian flag on the sleeve as well, too. Uh, but today's show, we've got Raf from Platinum Group. It's PlatinumContractors.ca, info at PlatinumContractors.ca, and on Instagram, it's Platinum Group Toronto. Drywall and rental? Which one's first? Which one's the first love? My first love will always be drywall. Drywall? Always be drywall. I grew up in the drywall industry. My uncle was in the painting and drywall industry, so I grew up with him. And then I noticed there was a bit of a, a niche market for it in residential. A lot of commercial drywallers, so I got into the residential part of it, and I liked it. You know, it was always a tough job, but I liked it. Then I realized the, uh, the artwork to drywall that there is, it's not just what people think, slapping it up, all these designs, drop ceilings to do with it, so... It became more of an art as I got older than just slapping it all up. You guys are um, particularly critical. Yeah. <laughs> we, are. we are. I would say probably more so than any other trade. Like you guys are either hugely supportive or hugely not supportive uh, <laughs> of that particular trade. Why is that? This is the thing. With the... When it comes to drywall and taping, a lot of drywallers and tapers, they just say they slap it up and the poor painter has to deal with it. On my end, I make sure that especially the taping is good for the guy after me. You got to care about the other person. You know, that's then our job will reflect when the painting is done. Is it a race to the bottom? Is that why that guy's just literally slap it up and don't care about the painter, the next person, anybody? A lot of it's like that. You know what a lot of it is? is just it's the pressure, like you say. Like They want the framing slapped up. Get the drywall slapped up. Get the taping done. And it's it's a process, right? I, I've seen like you know some job sets where it's like, if I was these painters, I would head for the highway. You know, there's, what, two coats of mud, barely half it's sanded. But unfortunately, more on a commercial standpoint, the contractor will justify it, right? Residential. They don't, most of the time, they say, yeah, it looks good. And the poor painter gets the wrath for it. Are you more of a, a rocker or a mudder? Like, what do you? What's your love? You like hanging it, or you like mudding it? I'd say mudding it. Mudding it. I'd say I'd say mudding it. I've I've learned from just watching a lot of people over the years, and just mudding. It's the technique, the finesse, and using all, as you see every year. There's a different tool that comes out to make your life easier. It's amazing. Mudding for me, it's when a nice, clean, sanded, finished mud job. It sh shows a bit more than just putting up some drywall. Do we need all these tools, all these new tools that are coming out, or can we? You know what? I'm an old school guy. I'm a hand trowel, you know. But the problem is now everybody wants a job done in a rush. So you need these boxes. You need, you need these corner cobras. It's just the way that it's people just want production. Production. But for me, nothing beats a finish like a hand trowel. A box can help you get some speed and some production, but... Nothing beats hand finish for me. How long have you been doing the drywall part? Eight years or? Yeah, I've been drywall, I'd say, for about, yeah, close to eight years now. And then yeah. when did you start doing the rental part? We just incorporated rental within the past, I'd say, four years. Okay. It was, the thing was that is that everyone's like, oh, you guys do drywall. You guys do taping. You do painting. Oh, you don't do tiles? No. Mm, okay. So I kind of got slowly forced into people asking for one thing, one thing, another, led to another, then we started getting into rentals because people just seems like they just want to call one person for everything now. They do. And I know before we got started off, Mike, we were talking about, I'm, I'm seeing a lot more uh, guys partnering up and yeah. like working together as a team and, and expanding one solid brand out. It's very valuable to do that, man. Absolutely. And slowly within the past two years, I've tried to explain to customers, you know, a lot of customers for, oh, I like one guy who does everything. Well, I look at like this. Wouldn't you rather have a specialist in each trade do the job in your house 
than one guy who does everything. Yeah, exactly. So, for example, I used to do a lot of my demo in-house before. And, you know, my guys will take a day or two days where, you know, I call my friend, I'll send you Anthony Endless Demolition. Yeah. They, they come in like doctors, smash it all, clean it up, and it's done. My homeowners are amazed. They're like, wow, we didn't realize that demo was like was like this. We thought it was just smashing walls. So it's, it's a science, man. Exactly. Yeah. And it shows them a different side. So now I've realized... And my customers, you know, I'm happy they've cut on. They they like to see it better. A plumber for a plumber, electrician, a drywaller for a drywaller. It's a specialty trade. Then I have no excuse to say that. Hey, you know, we don't we don't have the proper people because they're specialists in the trade. Why did you get into the drywall? Family. <sighs> family. Yeah. Well, I come from a family of painters. Okay. So then I saw, you know, my uncle was doing a bit of drywall. And then as I realized growing up, a lot of big companies in general. They're drywall owners. And I saw there's a good market for it. So then I slowly got into it, and I realized the demand is crazy. You know, we started getting into drywall, metal framing, taping, especially in residential. Such a huge demand. Such a huge demand. So that's why we got into it. But such a, okay, so you're talking about track residential, or you're talking about custom residential? <sighs> it's two different animals, eh? I personally like custom residential. Yeah. But I mean, you, you still do track or you work for track or. Oh yeah. 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 yeah but it's there. Right. But it's just really about, I mean, is it, are there the horror stories where like you got a day or two to actually hang everything and then you've got what a week or so to mud everything. Like are they putting that much pressure on you guys? Promise residential. It's, it's changed so much over the past couple of years. Yeah. What people, what a lot of clients, they fail to understand is that, they, they understand oh, what paint is. Paint looks great, what to buy this building. So when it comes to drywall and plastering, it takes, you know, sometimes a basement won't dry. It'll take a couple of days. And they say, oh, but we want it done as fast as possible. They understand to get a good job, they have to have it done properly, and it takes the proper time. So I tell my customers straight up, this is how long it's going to take between this time. I like to be very upfront. And when I tell them drywall and taping is going to take five, seven days, they look at me like, uh. It's, it's the environment. It, it takes time for it to dry. Yeah. And most of the time, the homes don't have the heat going on. Oh, yeah. And then you got to deal with Mother Nature, and the homes are not, and then mud won't dry. Yeah. And that's what the, the beast of it is. But you just got to explain to them, educate them, most important thing. As long as they're educated, you'll avoid yourselves a lot, a lot of trouble in the next couple of days. So, why do you have such a love for drywall more than any other trade out there? I mean, outside of the family was painting, they were part of right. it, attached to it. But why, why drywall? Why the love for drywall? For me, the, the love for drywall, once I started doing it and I started to see there's a lot more to it, it, it became an art. You know, I, I've so many friends who own, you know, drywall companies and I've got, I went to their sites and I'm like, wow, this isn't drywall. This is art. You know, I've seen designed walls done of drywall, drop ceilings, crazy things done at a drywall that it opened a new world to me that it's, it's an art and it's much more respected in these higher end custom stuff. So that's when I got into it. And then I started to fell in love with it. Now everything that comes in the market, you know, my friend uh, Andy owns Drywall Tool Source. He's calling me all the time. Hey, we got this tool and we got that tool. It blew, I spend sometimes two hours in the store talking Where about Where are they the located? Uh, they're on Highway 27 and 7. Okay. All right. Great guy. Educates us as soon as a product comes in. And uh, it's like a kid in a candy store. Whenever something comes out, you want to you wanna use it and get started with it. I know that I've been seeing a lot of, I don't know if we're doing it here yet, but in Eastern European uh, countries, I'm seeing it done. Like you're doing all that lacing yeah. or that kind of mud lace kind of patterns and stuff. You, is anybody asking for any of that stuff here? That just came common on my end, at least in the past two years. Okay. Mud lacing or a lot of these feature walls now with drywall and everything. Yeah. So it's come a lot more popular because I don't, it's just a, I think it's just something a lot of homeowners didn't know. Yeah. They're used to, you know, designs with wood on walls, you know, millwork. But it's, it's... It's impressive. It is. It's nice. It's custom work, right? It's, yeah. That's why it's it's cool. It, it it gives us a lot more, like... I like doing that stuff. It gives us a lot more value. Man. You know, we're not just a taper. We're not just a drywaller. It shows us that, you know, that, that our skill is an art. And that's what stuff like that shows us, that it's, that it's an art. I want to go through your uh, gambit of tools here and what you like sh actually like using and also MUDs. Sure. And what board do you prefer? Uh, just share the names. I mean, I'm, I'm curious myself, right? When it comes to drywall, like my standard CGC board. Okay. All right. I love it. When it comes to mud, I use my typical red box. Okay. Then I use a CGC as a great product, uh, ultralight. Yeah. A lot of guys refer to it as green, light green. But it's great. It's easy to sand. goes on nice. 
we've been using it now for a couple of years, and it's it's great. We've had no issues with it. And what what tools are you running? I like Nila. I've been using Nila now for a bit. And okay. like I said, from the tool source, got me on Nila. Okay. Uh, a little bit of Marshalltown. But uh, since I've been using Nila, phenomenal stuff. You're not using any boxes at all? My guys like it. Me personally, I'm, I'm an old school guy. You're an old school guy. So you still trowel, pan, or hawk? Ha- hawk always. You're a hawk, eh? Yeah. Always you're always. old school. You have to be hawk and you got to be trowel. That's just how it works, man. Yeah. I, I love it. I still have my my dad's original hawk that I still have. It's got to be like fifty plus years, man. Yeah, they lost they lost a while. Like, and some of these. Hey, I'm I'm always for people using boxes and stuff. If you can, but for me, I like to get that hand finesse in there. My uncle gave me a trowel a trowel to use ten years ago, and I still have that same trowel. But are you not slower than the boxing? You know what? Sure, the boxes will be a lot slower, but when it comes to that final finish. You should always stick your hand in there and put your, you know, your last coat with a nice trowel. Yeah. The boxes, the thing about boxes, the trowel has to be 100% perfect. Any little defect, boom, it shows. And the thing about boxes, I feel like people are too reliant on them now. I've had, you know, my taper, he goes, my box broke, so i got to come back in a day. Well, get your hand trowel out. They're and not they, even willing to pull out a hand trowel and just do it by hand? They're, they're too, so locked in their place. Exactly. Wow. Too, too dependent on it. But that's dependent. that's construction here. Construction, we're supposed to be adaptable. Like, we're supposed to figure out how to... I love hearing from framers talking about how when the tool goes down, I could still start doing everything by hand, right? Yeah. Every trade should be able to do that, man. Should be able to. But these boxes, and like I said, they're great. And they have, the thing about the, they have to be maintenance, like, crazy. You Are you getting a lot of young guys getting into the trade? Uh, in my age group, yeah, I have a couple friends who they've gotten into the trade. Yeah. But the problem is, is that um, lasting in it. They, they don't want to stay in it. They Especially mudding. They're like, wow, it's it's so hard, dusty and all this stuff. But it's not hard. It's dusty if you sand incorrectly. Exactly. And or the, actually, sorry, if you mud incorrectly. Exactly. And what I tell people, start even if you're mudding, start with drywall first. Get the understanding of what the whole job is like, putting it up watching somebody finish it. I always say, you know, I know a lot of tapers hate drywall, a lot of drywalls hate taping. But and in the beginning stage, you should get a bit of knowledge of both. It'll make your life way easier down the road. Is it worth, I mean, both of them, that you should try both for, for a period of time. Absolutely. Get a better sense of it, right? Absolutely. So then you can say, yes, I love mudding or no, I hate mudding, right? Yeah. Where's the, where's the industry going these days? I mean, are you a corner bead? Metal corner bead or plastic corner bead? I'm strictly metal. You're strictly, yeah. I keep going back to old school, man. But uh, why haven't you gotten on the Trimtex train of uh, plastic corner beads? Everybody's like freaking out right now. This is where all the critical this yeah. is going to come in, man. Everybody loves their Trimtex. Cost a bit more, but my guys personally, they love finishing on the metal. With the Trimtex, they, I'm not going to say they've had issues, but they just prefer going on metal. They say it coats a bit easier and everything. And I know people get you know one on one, which one's better, which one's worse, but. We've always liked the metal. You a fan of buttboard? Not really. No. It doesn't make any sense to me, man. To me, I think it's just a waste. I'll, I hate to say it. I know some people are going to bash me for that, but I'll say that's a waste. I've said it before, too. I, I know it's convenient yeah. when you're hanging it. You don't have to. You could just pull full sheets and then just add a buttboard in, every, in between each stud cavity or, wall or joist cavity. I don't like that. That's not the way the board was designed. It was designed to stay on. And then there's the argument about, you know, it's you only have, I guess, technically speaking, three quarters of an inch, if that, five-eighths of an inch to bite. Right. Well, if you drill the board in correctly, the screw in correctly, five-eighths is more than enough. 100%. It's just like it all comes down to knowledge again, too. When it, Even with board, I've gone into houses where, they, you know, the contractor, the homeowner supply the board. Well, let's put this blue board inside the shower. Okay, where's your cement board? Where's your orange board? Because they've been told that the blue board is for waterproof areas. And it's absolutely useless. It's not. It's not. Exactly. Well, that's costing, right? Like that's as well, is it a costing as much as it is like a knowledge experience thing? Bit of both. Yeah. The demon with homeowners is that they look at cost a lot to the benefit. You're only buying most of the time five, six sheets for a shower. Buy what you need. And I always tell my homeowners, this is what you have to buy. Oh, I bought this because cheaper. Well, Aren't you like all the good guys so close with the price? Like if you're ever if they're getting more than three quotes, the numbers are gonna be pretty close, man. Yeah. 
when it comes, it all depends how the homeowner wants. I prefer to buy my own materials. I know what I want. It avoids the learning curve for them telling we need this, we need that, and why we want it. So I try to get it all myself, get the proper products in. A headache's gone. Because to be honest, a lot of times we're working in houses, they don't really know what some of the products we're using are. You ever, um, where, where are you getting all your drywall from? What supplier do you deal with? Uh, honestly, recently, just to make, you know, time a lot easier, we use Toolbox. They okay, del- so deliver, they pick it up? Deliver it on site. Yeah. Bring it on site. No issues. When we need mud and stuff, we go to Drywall Tool Source for plaster and stuff like that. And he has a lot of cool different plaster products, some that I've never seen. So, yeah, we do that. And then um, we try to stay away from, like, you know, the major retailers because that's even for contractors. They don't have much... What'd you give for us, right? You talking about big box stores? Yeah, like Home Depot, Lowe's, all that stuff. But isn't that where Toolbox is getting their stuff from? Toolbox, so what they do, they mass produce it. Okay. They mass buy it, sorry. Okay. And we, if you do with their pro membership, you actually get a oh, discount. so they're doing the, yeah, they're doing their basic, okay, I get it now, all yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, as long as they're competitive at that point, right? Because I don't know if they are competitive. I haven't used them, so I don't know. I like them for the convenience. What's great about them, they'll bring it on site, bring it in. And they'll even pick up your leftover material and credit you back. So it avoids a lot of, sometimes you pay a little bit of a premium, but hey, time is money. Can they still get you five eights and yeah, they'll, they'll fire rated everything. They'll get all that stuff. They'll get everything for you and they'll bring it on site. Like I said, take it back. Even sometimes if it's a specialty product that's not listed, they'll try to source it for you. You ever had to install Quiet Rock? No, never done it before. No, any any sound theaters or um, movie theaters or we've done a couple like home uh, big home theaters like in Kleinberg and all that stuff where we've had to put you know retarded insula- insulation and one lady actually got a product from Italy that we had to install. It was a very interesting product. What was it called? Do you remember it? Uh, it kind of it was a green product with a bunch of uh, recessed holes in it. So. The installation on it, you have to put it with drywall screws, obviously. And over the joints, you have to put it's a special seal tape. And it's a very slow process to How get How thick installed. is it? Half inch. Half inch. Is it's, it treated? Does it look like drywall? or just It looks like corrugated board almost. Really? And it has these little uh, almost like cups behind it to help. I guess that's to help with the soundproofing and to bounce the sound. And she said it was very expensive. She goes, it cost more than the drywall to put up. But you're still putting drywall in front of that? On top of that, yeah. Really? I got to check that out, man. Yeah, Honestly, it was a learning curve for me. I've never installed it, but my guys and I, me, we figured it out. We put it up and it, it, it works well. So you're just screwing really it well. right onto the studding. Yep. Right with, onto the With studs. drywall screws that are f- with a flange on it or they got plastic Yeah, they flange? have. A, so they come. So what she bought, it came with a kit. Oh. It comes with the screws, the fl- which really you could use your regular drywall screws with a little washer on it. They're just going to charge a premium because it's a very specialty product. Yeah. But yeah, like it, it works extremely, extremely well. I've but done the. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was gonna say it works extremely well. It's just you have to be mindful when you're putting. You, like if you have electrical boxes, you got to go extremely, extremely tight for that soundproofing. You got to seal around the boxes really tight. Yeah, because that's how Quiet Rock works, where they actually have that putty stuff, right? So right. you have to seal that. But so if this stuff is half inch thick, it's got some cups on the back of it, or is it? Yeah, it's kind of like recessed a little bit back, so. It slightly goes above your, like, you'll see it, it where it goes against your stud. is like a little cup, which apparently those are, those are the soundproofing pockets. And then you put drywall in front of that. Right on top so of that. So now you got to use inch and five-eighths screws to do your drywall. Yeah, got to go a bit longer. So the first time we did it, honestly, we one wall took us probably two hours. Yeah, I can imagine, man. It was a learning curve for us. We assumed she's just going to get, you know, the regular sound. Like, we've done soundproofing panels where you just put them up, drywall on top. They're great. This is a different problem, but it was nice to try something. The soundproofing uh, panels don't, and I'm I'm trying to get an, a sound engineer on the show because they don't, they don't work. I'm going to keep it as simple as that. Yeah. They do not. They 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 try to promote themselves that they do work, but they don't work. Uh, there's uh when you're building for sound, there's uh there's steps. It's an assembly. It's no different than sealing a home. Right. Yeah. And just because it's a sound product, it doesn't mean that it's perfect. It has to be installed a certain way. So right. that's why I'm really interested in this product here, which sounds very similar to what I've seen before on something. But yeah, Quiet Rock is a pain in the ass because <laughs> yeah. there's metal inside of it. It's tough. to. It's tricky to install if you don't yeah. have a lot of experience with it. But yeah. even with Quiet Rock, I, told, I, I, I tell my customers straight, will it be 100% soundproof? No. 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 But a lot of people in the home, they want that. You know, these massive homes, they want specifically to be extremely tight there's so many factors 
are your doors soundproof? You know, like you said, around the boxes done properly, your roof especially. There's so many, so many factors that have to be done to make sure soundproofing is it's a science. Like it's I've built two professional uh, mixing theaters, right? And first of all, the number one principle with any sound, if you want to make a room soundproof, is you have to uh, separate that room from the actual structure. Right. So that means you're building a wall inside that space away, and it's not structurally. Uh, fastened to your structure wall and then your floor has to be on a bed of sand wow right so it's just like there's a bunch of stuff and then on top of that you're using wood studs not metal studs and then you're doing the double wall assembly and then you're putting double staggered uh rated x with acoustical ceiling in between each one or you can go with the quiet rock which is the equivalent to 10 but I still don't. I prefer two layers of rated X with acoustical and the framing. That makes it like you go in there, you can't hear anything on the outside, and they can't hear anything on the inside. Wow. But that's a proper mixing theater. So then, when you get a lot of homeowners that, especially now with the, what was going on, everybody's building stuff. Uh, they all wanted mixing. They wanted movie theater homes and all this other crap. And I'm like, you got to separate this space from your actual house. It's the only way it's going to work. Makes sense. Which becomes more challenging construction-wise, right? So that's why I just wanted to go a little bit on the sound side because I'm fascinated by it. I've done the science. I've worked with engineers, sound engineers on it, and I've seen what's what's needed to do it. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> it is truly a pain in the ass. But it's like if you want it to be quiet as a mouse, that's the way you got to do it. And definitely I feel like on a contractor side, if people want the soundproofing, I recommend that as contract, really do your research on it, be specific, because a lot of people who are paying for these sound proof rooms they're gonna, that's that's the that's their area yeah. they're going to be in their listen own. to them exactly <laughs> no pun intended listen to them i want to share a little history and construction uh the history of the hammer i'm pretty sure we haven't shared this i don't know <laughs> if we have we have don't worry about it the first hammer just a heavy round stone uh heavy round stone generally granite shaped by water originated three million years ago so the guys had a little bit of hair on their back back then uh it was just used to shape other stones like what opsidon and flint into hunting tools and fighter starters fire starters to break open shells and crack bones for food around 30,000 bc handles were added to the hammer usually a bone or stick secured by leather or other stringy material handles allowed for more control precision strength and leverage 20,000 years ago metal began uh, being used to make the hammer stronger and more reliable first bronze was used the iron around first bronze was used then iron around 2000 BC and finally steel metal allowed the hammer to be used in metalworking carpentry blacksmithing uh, mining and combat as war hammers more than 50 types of specialized hammers now exist from soft-faced mallets to hard dead blow hammers to classic claw hammers History of hammers, man. Learning something new. Learning something well, you guys new. hardly use a hammer. You have a drywall hammer. Do they still have a hatchet drywall hammer? The axe ones? Yeah. I, it's the, still the one that I use. Really? I love it. It's great. East Wing, right? The best. Yeah, I got mine from Bernardi. Yeah. They have a great selection on uh, on drywall tools and hammers. I still use I like my axe. I, some drywallers, they don't care, but the axe for me is nice. You got to pick something out, pop off a screw. Beautiful. Pop it on the tool belt. So it's, I always recommend the axe. Do so for you. drilling out the board... Are they are the young, the new trades coming into the business understanding that ripping that paper is a bad thing? Drilling too deep is a bad thing. There's a sweet spot. Yeah, I don't think they really understand. I think it's all about just like the way tools are made. Speed. Ma- speed. A lot of these new, you know, I know some younger guys starting drywall. They like their I call them the machine guns. Nails all rolled around it, pa 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 pa. And then for me, I like my old school DeWalt screw gun. Use Milwaukee. It's the best. Yeah. You know, tools, like I said, they're, they're, they're being made more for production, I feel, than quality now. Is everybody using the, the strip drywall guns or are they using the regular old school? A lot of guys use the strips. A lot of, I know the younger generation likes the strips. My old school guys, you know, have been boarding for over 20 years. My guys, they like their old school just DeWalt. And you know what? I never have issues with it. And, it, and it gets into the corners gets into the corners and it never does you wrong you know that's why i you got to use your comfort with but it's like i said the main thing is that a lot of tools now are made for production and with those corrugated guns 
I see when they, I think they're good to talk. They're good to talk, drawl in. You're doing a 12-foot sheet of board on the ceiling. Tack it in, then go off and screw it. Then I think that's what it, what it should be really taught to be used for. Remember back in the day, it was just always nailed around the perimeter and then screwed in the field. Yeah. The ring shank nails and that was it. But that's all gone now, right? That's what we rip out now. Yeah, hey, I've worked in houses downtown where the drywall's all nailed in. And these houses are like, what, a bit over 100 years old? When we're demoing it, these, the drywall is just nailed in. Every single one, eh? Every single one. And it's like, this house is, what, over 100 years old and it's still in with nails. They crazy. weren't doing lath and plaster back then, or yeah, they had some lath and plaster, but maybe this might have been the next stage. It is, and it's and a wealthy home is whatever homeowner, yeah. so they just started using the new stuff. It's crazy, but it it worked, and now we're all using screws, and you see nail pops all the time. So why are we getting nail pops? I think a big issue is is that just our materials that we're using, our lumber, it's too know, wet, too wet. That's one thing. Temperature changes, you know, a lot of it too is just I think it's guys what they're putting on the screws. You know, I know a lot of guys who put straight mud on their screws. I don't. I put sheetrock. Yeah. Or put some dirt on, you know, keeps it solid. But a lot of guys, when they go in, hey, the problem is when they have their, a lot of guys use boxes. They have all wet mud. They go with their boxes. Then I see them going over the screws with just regular premixed mud. So no kidding, it's going to crack. So why is it that, the, I mean, I know that the industry in general will do the, 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 the screws right. one straight line, right? right. But are we not putting enough material on the screws by doing that? You know what? I know it's a lot of guys do it like that. I think it's more just, yeah, they're not putting enough. And, like, it's the same thing. It's when you're using that sheetrock, it really goes in and it sits there. With mud, yes. and it comes right off. And how many coats? Did you, my guys do three coats on the screws. Okay. Maybe you don't need it. They're just taught to do three coats on them. And I've never had any issues. And, this, and I think this, a lot of the times the screws are overlooked. Everyone cares about the joints, the corners, but what does a homeowner notice first thing after the paint? Nail pops. Of course. Nail pops. Nobody asking for level five these days? Well, uh, they can't afford it. They don't want to afford it. Big issue with that, yeah. But, then they, but then they see the butt joints and they see the joints. and Yeah, custom homes, I always price in level five. How much more are we talking about here, percentage-wise? I'd say definitely cost about 30% more. That's not crazy amount. Not crazy, but trying to explain to homeowner this is what level five is and this is what regular is. Oh, why am I paying that thirty percent more? It's a big difference in price, and I feel like with level five, there's only certain guys who can do level five really, really well. A lot of plaster guys have a different version of level five. You tackling it yourself? No, not oh, level yeah. five. No, eh? I get my 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 guys. They do the level five. They do the nice last coat with the tomahawk. They'll even spray the mud on the ceiling. I've seen some guys do it. Roll it on. It's crazy how some people do level. I know one guy, he's uh, he's done some jobs for me in the past. I follow him. His name is Grissini Drywall. Okay. And I see how he does his level five, and it's amazing how they do it. It's a beautiful finish. What size knife is he using? Is he using a Darby, or what's the story? What size? So from when, when they do, some guys do the level five, they go big knife. Then they'll do their lot. They'll, they actually spray it with a spray painter on, and a massive 18-inch, 20-inch tomahawk clean it off. Really? And it looks phenomenal i'm always a fan of level five just on the ceiling that's you know i I try to price into all my jobs to do it on the ceiling if the homeowners really don't want to pay the extra buck but to do even with what a lot of people don't know even with level five it's the type of primer you use type of paint you use yeah you know it's it's a whole price not just the mudding uh experience so they're paying 30 percent more but you can't beat the finish i don't get why clients are being so hesitant about doing it properly, there's so much wall surface unless they start adding some built-ins or all kinds of decorative details or shit like that. That Spend the money on the wall. Like, Trust me, you can see the difference between a joint exactly. and the actual surface of the drywall. The issue I notice with homeowners is this. I want to pay, you know, 10 grand for my quartz countertop. Yeah. I want to. They want to pay for the stuff that looks great, that, you know, but they don't realize it's your walls, the stuff behind the walls. That's what really... Makes your house longevity of your house last, you know. A kitchen you can replace in five years if it, you know, doesn't look good or you know it starts to deteriorate. But when your walls start deteriorate or start joints start to crack, good luck to you. It's going to cost you a fortune. Is the drywall industry raft getting better or worse, in your opinion? You've been in it for about a decade or so, so I mean, I'd say it's getting better. Yeah, I'd say it's getting better. Definitely a lot more respected. I think social media has helped a lot educate people. On the advances in drywall, like I said before, how it's not just slap it up and, you know, sand it. The the art to it, the different tools that are to it. And a lot of homeowners, I think, slowly now are starting to see what, what the new world of drywall is. And 
the finishes that it has to offer. It's not just in and out. So that's I think it's getting better, and I think homeowners are starting to appreciate a lot more because of education of the products and like social media, just you know going online seeing what uh, what exactly there is to offer in it. It's an interesting trade. Um, Very. What kind of shadiness have you seen? Oh, when it comes to the drywall industry, I've seen some guys, like they say, free cleaning. They cut it, they s- toss all the drywall scraps behind the walls. I've seen s- in houses where... Seriously? Oh, yeah, all the time. I've seen some drywallers do it residential all the time. My favorite is when I go to... A, when we're called just to drywall in residential. Sometimes they'll get their own tape for the homeowner. Big bucket of dry decks, pink stuff. No tape. They're putting it on the walls. And homeowner goes, oh, yeah, dry quit. I don't see nothing. I go in there to do my job. They're using dry decks yeah. to actually mud new drywall. Believe it or not, I've seen it a bunch of times. This it's is a drywall mudding company. Like I said, they're supposedly there to do the mudding. I don't know if they're a company or not, but a lot of times we've gone in to do just drywall. Wow. I've seen, oh, dry decks. I've seen polyfiller. It's just so many things that I've seen, and it's just like, I feel sorry for these people. I never understood why dry decks dried white and it starts off as pink because you're always putting it on primer, so to speak, because you're trying to find some defects, whatever. But primer is all white. Yeah, I think dry decks is good for little, little things. A little, little, little nick, tiny stuff. Something that's like OCD bugging you. Exactly. You just want a quick touch up. Yes. And done. My, my favorite personally is the caulking in the corners. What do you mean caulking in the corners? Yeah, I've, uh, I was working on a site in, uh, in Woodbridge, right? Uh, my guy's at the drywall finish. He goes, my painter slash plaster guy's coming now. The guy comes in, you know, every expensive tool you can imagine, Columbia, boxes, everything. Corners, he pulls out a box of caulking, daps all the corners. No paper tape, no nothing? Nada. Dap, corners, up, lowers, up. Create, just daps everything. And I'm just like, I want to come back to this basement in, in a month, and I want to see how it looks. And did it look like how we think it's going to look? Uh, so... I, I went back. I asked the homeowner, do you mind if I come take some pictures, you know, just for my own self? Corners were like the ocean. The down corners cracked. And uh, she goes, why do you think my corners cracked? I'm like, <laughs> well, I said, I, I don't like to insult any other. I don't like to take food of anyone's table, right? They said, I do it differently. So I showed her how we put it with tape, mud, sand it, all that jazz. And she goes, but this guy just did it with caulking. He did it really quick. I said, yeah, quick, it usually isn't really good. She goes, how do I fix this? I'm like, got to mud it. I don't think you want to know, I told her. You're going to have to redo this, um, this whole Did thing. Did you ask her how much she paid for his Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, it was a, a, a not even a fraction of what it should have been. So we're talking a 2,000 square foot basement. I've never heard of that, let alone seen it. Yeah, to Talk to some of your other uh, drywall guys. You'll see the DAP trick, they call it. They do it a lot. And I've seen it in commercial, you see it a lot, closets. Guys dap it out all the time. How do you dap? What if they put a factory edge into the corner and they dap it? How do you? I don't understand how you can. It looks terrible. It. They dap it. They paint over it. It'll look probably semi-decent for a week or two. Then it's going to start to crack, the shift. And the worst part is if they, when they dap the top, the poor painter has to deal with the squiggly line. I see the dap trick I've seen a lot over the years. I've never seen that, man. It's bad. That's scary. And, he, and he's got professional tools on site as well, too. That's what blew my mind. I see all his tools are professional, you know. He's, and then he pulls out the dap gun and starts dapping it. And my guy goes, is that some new type of uh, pre-fill or something? I'm like, no, that's painter's white dap that we use on the baseboards. And, you know, it's crazy. Are you a fan of the ARI events? Yeah, honestly, they've come out in the past couple of years. We've used them a lot. Yeah. Looks so much better. Yeah, they're a bit of work. And the price is, you know, a little bit. No, actually, it's not that expensive anymore. No. When they first came out, they were pretty expensive. Yeah. But now you guys have to up your price now because there's more effort now. More effort. And the, the homeowners, that's their wow factor. Yes. A lot of them don't know about it. They see it. They love it. It's It amazes them. And that's one thing what I like about Zara events. It's expanding our business where we're not just drywall tape. They see these type of things. It's great. It works for you guys. Looks so much better, yeah. You guys getting a lot of clients asking for curved walls and things like that, or more on the custom stuff? Yeah, we'll get some like uh, curved walls in the basement. Uh, a lot of archways still. People see, still seem to like to, you know their archways, which I, I love myself. They look trimless great. archways. Yeah, trimless archways. Okay. Yeah, all right. So, 
Yeah, definitely more custom stuff. People still want these type of things for sure. Yeah. Uh, you ever get into doing the uh, the crown molding, plaster crown molding? You don't get into that whole world, eh? No, I have one guy, my guy who does it for me. Totally different world for me. Yeah. So, and I, I feel sorry for him because with the evolution of MDF and how cheap it's, it is now, that business he's telling me every year it's slowly getting lower and lower and lower that he's had to go into other, you know, get into painting and stuff like that because it's such a dying uh, dying art. To me, that is an art. But for me, when I see beautiful class plaster crown molding, you can't beat it. But is he doing the plaster crown molding or is he doing the styrofoam crown molding? He does strictly plaster. I yeah. still respect the strictly plaster guys. But you're right. They're, they're, they're slowly being pushed six feet under, man. Everybody loves their MDF. I personally hate MDF. I can't stand it. As even me coming from, you know, a draw and painting background, you know, MDF finishing it, sanding it's terrible product. Can't stand it. Terrible product. I think it's because it's getting further and further away from the site. So the clients are looking at it going, oh, you know, it's the hallway. We're looking up. It's two stories. Yeah. I can't tell. It looks like crown molding to me. It looks like plaster crown. Uh, I can tell that it doesn't look like plaster molding. Definitely. And I see even just how it goes on the walls. This MDF, it's just... Whoosh, warps curved when it's plastered just it's beautiful i've worked in some plastic uh homes that have plastic crumb molding and 30 years after it still looks brand new doesn't crack it's it, it it that's why it's designed that way right it was and that's why it was used so much in higher end homes back right. in the day right and 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 you could easily repair it too if it ever does get damaged for yeah. whatever reason yeah. Uh, it's a different animal when it comes to MDF and crap. I can't stand it. I, uh, the best for me is when I'm actually demoing old stuff and it's MDF or that foam right. crappy molding right. and it's just held with DAP and finishing nails. <laughs> I hate that. Not even hitting a single stud or, jar or roof truss or anything like that. It's just sitting there. Just sitting there with glue and a hope and a prayer. Yeah, pretty and much. And they get away with it, man. You know what it is? It's, one of those, it's like we said, it's... The homeowners love the aesthetics, but if they know that plaster, the longevity, how even the value to your home, you know, my, uh, my partner in the business is a realtor, right, with me as well, and he says he goes in a lot of homes, he goes, people still want a home with plaster crown molding, who actually know, the, like, you know, true value of it. And it doesn't matter if it's crappy crown molding, they just want a crown molding. They love the plaster, because for resale value, with MDF, it's... It's harder to sell? <laughs> Oh yeah, I would say harder to sell, but there's no value to it because yeah. it's it's MDF at the end of the day. Even when I go out see MDF door frames and all this stuff, use wood, man. Like it's cheaper, Raph. It's cheaper, man. I know, but it's get it done faster, sooner. Your own home, get out, right? I would never. You'll never see me. I know that I had to do one job, and the client insisted on it. Eh? Wow. And then uh, I explained to him that I'm not going to warranty any kind of shifts or moves or whatever because. Um, MDF will will move. It's gonna. It's its own animal, right? 100%. And sure enough, the next uh, season, I think it was the next next winter, it cracks. <laughs> I went back one time to just fix it one time, and I was like, "Listen, I'll fix this once, and that's it." But I guarantee you, next year it's gonna happen again. It's gonna constantly do this. That's not. This is not the right product. It was well, you know. This is what myself and my dad we did upstairs, and I would just want to continue the same thing. I'm like, okay, great, no problem. You never call me back to fix it again because <laughs> I told him I'm not gonna come back to fix it again, right? Other thing with MDF too, I think it is why it's so popular. Homeowner go to Home Depot, Lowe's. They can see that trim right there in person. MDF. And with plaster, they can't really see it if they go into store and see it, right? So I think that's why it's another issue that it's so readily be able to see wherever they go. But I, I personally, for me, I'm against it, but that's what the trend everybody wants. Do you think these products that are inferior to the professional products came onto the market because they were just catering to the homeowners, the DIYers out there and just saying, listen, you don't need to spend this much money on the professional way to do it. You can do it for a fraction of the cost. Here's a cheap way to do it. Absolutely. A lot of these products, I think, have evolved over the years because making it so-called, so-called homeowner friendly and uh, cost effective for the homeowner, which really is, it's not in the long run. Like we just spoke about the longevity of plaster versus MDF. So, and the fact that, you know, these big companies like Home Depot's, Lowe's, they have these products right available, they go in and see it, choose it off the shelf, they like it, they pop it in. Wow. I'm not a fan of it. I can't stand it, man. 
Let me do a little OBC talk here. What I want to do is I want to talk about uh, heating and cooling requirements, installation in walls and ceiling, window U-factor and shading, solar heat gain coefficient, air sealing, lighting efficiency, technical installations, design position, and orientation. It's a whole building code technical requirements based on cities or, sorry, countries. And Australia covers all those. Uh, Canada covers all those except for technical installations. Uh, China covers all those except for the same thing as technical installations. France is the same thing. Germany covers all of those. Uh, India doesn't have any of it. Italy covers all of those. Japan covers all of them except for lighting efficiency and technical installations. Mexico has none of them. Uh, Russia has all of them except for window U-factor and shading solar heat gain, uh, air sealing, light, uh, air sealing and design uh, position and orientation. South Korea covers all of them. Spain covers all of them. United Kingdom covers all of them. United States covers all of them except for the technical installations and design and position and orientation. So I just thought I want to share that there. Raf, what else you want to chat about, bro? My main thing is that I'm uh, that I'm seeing in the industry too is that um, you know it's the one thing I will say that's great to see in the industry. A lot of younger people are getting into the industry, and I feel twenty somethings. Pardon, twenty something. Twenty somethings. They're coming out of high school, getting into the the industry. They're finally realizing that there's good money in construction. There you is know? great money in construction, and unfortunately, we're we're all raised in the system. Where it says go to school, go to college, go to university. I have some of my friends who are plumbers. They're making more than people with university degrees. Amazing pensions, amazing hourly. You it's know, a fact. and it's just it's just nice to see that people that my generation, you know, they're getting into the industry at a younger age. A lot more younger people starting their own companies, and they're starting to evolve. And it's it's great to see because for me, I got into the industry when I was young. I never really work for too many companies. I work for my uncle a bit, and I also in the industry. I never look back since. I love it. It's not easy, definitely not, because so many obstacles. You know, as the years goes on, different products come out, learning curves, but can't beat it. Drywall in our industry in the last ten years hasn't dramatically changed right. regarding products. I mean, drywall itself, the standard drywall, has gotten a little lighter. Yep. Definitely. Is it an inferior product though these days, or is it just as good? I, I'm assuming it's just as good. It's yeah, I think it's just as good. I think with the technology and stuff and how the board is made, this ultralight stuff is great. Definitely makes life a lot, uh, a lot easier for sure. But the muds have pretty much stayed the same ish. Yeah. For the last decade or so. Yeah. I mean, what do you see drywall changing in the next little while, next decade or something? Like, what are we going to see dramatically change? The one thing that scares me about my industry. And it's something that I, you know, I tell people in the industry, I tell my partner, I saw a product online and I keep seeing more of them where they're interlocking wall panels, interlo interlocking seal panels. What do you mean interlocking wall panels? So literally they look like two, three panels of walls and they just lock into each other. There's no mudding. Obviously it's not made out of drywall. But and you're seeing a joint. So the way, I'll send you a link to it after so you can see how it looks. Yeah. It's literally, they're starting to do houses without drywall now they're always and it's a quarter of the labor but the cost of the products obviously a lot more but i'm seeing these interlocking panels more and more on instagram reels and everything and it's just like this is scary because this is going to push us what are you talking about like it's kind of like drywall or dry cores uh, smart wall whatever crap uh similar but it's uh, already you, it's a finished literally just lock in their click system you can paint on them right away there's no mudding required nothing and the way they lock in you can barely you, you is almost seamless is it including the wall framing as well, or is it just a surface? You still got a frame behind it. Okay, so yeah. it's just a, so it's just like the drywall surface area. Just the surface, and area. they just lock into place. Just lock into. Where's this coming from? Like I said, I saw an Instagram. I saw a couple of wheels on it, and it's when I saw it, I'm like, this is a little bit almost like a threat to our industry. How do you do the corners then? Ceiling all locks in. It's all seamless, all seamless. And you don't you don't see the joints. Nothing. All interlocking. I'm sure the price on the it's going to be a really expensive product, but that's one thing that a product that I've seen that I fear slowly 
if that gets more, you know, used, produced, the price is going to go lower, it might lower, you know, it, it, it will be a threat to our industry. I wanna, I'm curious about this, man. Holy cow, you keep yeah. on bringing up new products, man. I've not been paying yeah. attention to drywall in a while. Yeah, I try to keep up to date on everything, see what, see what new is coming in. So it's all about with adaptability too. Yeah. How to adapt the new stuff that uh, comes in and, you know, make sure we show our value because with technology, you know, unfortunately technology, it's taking a lot of jobs in the other side of the world, you know, with banking and all this stuff, retail, it's slowly going to come to our industry. And So what us. would you guys do if that's, if that's offered now? I mean, you don't need a mutter at this point then. Exactly. It's scary. Do you know if it's made out of actual drywall material? You don't know. If it I don't think it's made out of drywall material from my knowledge at least, but uh, I'd do a bit more research on it and see. I got to check it out. If you could find it again and send yeah. it to me, I'd love to take a look at it. Absolutely. What else are you thinking, man? Yeah, pretty much. It's uh, for the upcoming year. We're just, you know, we're going to keep just going at it. This uh, We've noticed definitely in the past couple of years, uh, dealing with clients has definitely been a lot different than past years. Do you deal mostly with clients or do you deal mostly with GCs? Uh, I say 80% we have clients and 20% is uh, GCs. So what what's so interesting about clients these days? Education's a main thing and just uh, they're a lot more particular per se. And it's it just so different than year, like other years. It feels like after COVID, everyone's just gone a little nuts. <laughs> they want to take the blood out of you for the price that you're giving it to them. Where when it's a GC, it's the job you do it. They just want you in and out and do a good job. See you later. Is that going to change? The biggest issue is is that I am all about education. A lot of homeowners are getting educated a bit more hands-on. And because a lot of these homeowners are getting a bit hands-on, they're really, really, you know, more on top of us. Which, hey, is great. But a lot of them are just a little bit out of range. So it's it made, it made life a little bit difficult for sure. But on our end, we just got to keep the good value up, good work, and educate the customers on our products so they know exactly what's going on. Uh, so, Raph, you want to tell us how if you had a new guy coming into the business, new girl coming into the business, how would you get them started? Basics. Get, like? get them started on the basics. For example, we're in dry, we're a drywall plastering. Help the guy throw up the drywall. Doing basic cuts. Advance them, you know, cutting out boxes. Then slowly getting them to do, you know, do a room by themselves. So for me, plaster to master, it took me four years until I could absolutely master it. That's why I think drywall is a good start. You know, learn learn the business from where it starts at the board, put it up, and then slowly get into plaster and all that stuff. So what's the trick behind that? It takes time. It takes time. You know, don't get ahead of yourself. Learn a little bit, a little bit of time. I feel like too many people my age, they go into the industry, they want to be a contractor right away. Of course. I want to do everything. Spe specialize in something. Specialize in one thing. You want to be a drought? Specialize that in five years. And then, you know, get into other stuff. You know, once you master one, then you can slowly branch off. I know a lot of, you know, my friends, they started off in single trades. And now they're GCs. And now they're, you know, they're, ma they're getting little sub companies. So it all starts, you know, from the bottom up. But, hey, for me, when I started, I was, you know, just, I was a helper. Cutting some board, cleaning up scraps, you know, doing a bit of sanding, which everyone hated. You know, you always hate sanding when you're a 20-year-old kid. But of course, you respect it later in life, you know. You, you got to start slowly and... Take it one step at a time. Are you running a Festool, a Planex, or are you still doing pole sanding? Uh, no, so we do have a, a Festool, yeah. we okay. got a Planex. We do do pole sanding, but uh, the nice thing about the Festool, it's it's the dust factor, right? That's all it is, yeah. Dust, fac dust factor. You still got to cover. I always tell everyone, still cover. Don't rely on the Festool 100%, but it's such a great product. It's it's helped us so much with you know with dust and just professionalism. I feel like, especially a homeowner, they're amazed when they see this vacuum sander come out and it's... 90% dustless, I'd say. It's a great tool. It's an expensive tool. Um, I, I, and I, I really respect the tool because the thing is that a lot of kids that get into the industry, they don't think how dangerous the sanding from drywall is. Absolutely. It's incredibly dangerous. Like we're talking about that it can cause some major health problems later on in life. Major. Huge. And if they're starting, to, which it's one thing technology has brought us, like, you know, this Festa tool. Use it while you're young. Like you said, later in life, you're going to thank you. I've, yeah. I know a lot of you know older guys in construction. They could barely breathe in their 60s now. All this, especially back then, all the, you know, they didn't have, you know, all these like, cleaner plasters, cleaner, you know, products. It's brutal. And the nice thing about with the Festa tool, like it, you know, 
I feel like when you walk onto a job with that, it just shows you're a bit more professionalism, you know. And you're conscious of it. And the homeowner respects that, you know, you want to keep their house clean. Yeah. That's the nice thing about it. Yeah. What else you want to share, bro? Yeah, just pretty much the one thing that uh, that's great about our industry is that uh, it's so many, uh, I know so many companies now, you know, I have a lot of my friends who are contractors. They, they're, they're seeing the difference from getting drywallers to do their job instead of their own guys in-house. Okay. So that's, that's how, I have one of my friends as a contractor, you know, he had his own guys doing drywall. And he's realized by using, you know, for example, us drywallers instead of his own guys, his cost is going lower. Of course it is, man. You know, it, it's, it's such a, we're just, like I said, we're, we were undervalued. Now we're getting more value. What's know, the concern? Value. Is that GCs are looking at it like you guys, any sub trades are actually overcharging or something like that? Is that that they think? They feel like, oh, I got to bring a guy in to do it. It's going to cost more. When realize it's that, you know, us, for me at least, I go with what the industry pricing is. Yeah. I'm not going in to charge more. I'm not going to charge less. And, you know, it makes, you know, it, it makes their life a lot easier. You're doing a square footage press? Uh, so, yeah, square footage if it's like a brand new house or, you know, but if it's like a custom home, like to go see it. Scope of work. Scope of work. You know, yeah. I'm not big on just, you know, guys call me up, say, hey, what do you charge for square foot? I want to see what the work is involved. I've bitten myself in the foot years ago with going off square footage. So that's why I like to see the job. go. Every job is different. Every yeah. house is different. Yeah. So I always like to go in and, you know, see, see what I'm looking at first. All right. Let me do a little green book uh, talk here. Qualifications fines. If a worker operates a crane or a hoist, hoisting device without qualifications, the fine is what? What do you think it is? How much? 2500 250 bucks. Wow. If a worker does not have written proof of training or is not being trained by someone with written proof of training, the fine is what? Grand? 250 bucks. If the employer does not ensure that a qualified worker operates a rotary foundation drill rig, the fine is what? I'll guess 250 bucks. 550 bucks. <laughs> if a worker operates a rotary foundation drill rig without qualifications, the fine is? 1,000 bucks. 250 bucks. Down to 250. If a worker connects, maintains, or modifies electrical equipment or installations without qualifications, the fine is? Five grand. Two hundred and fifty bucks. Two fifty. Yes. <laughs> Magic number. I think those. Actually, I think those are pretty cheap fines. I think they're ridiculously cheap fines. I think they're designed so then you can get fined and still keep on working. A lot of issues like that, though. I blame the man at the top. You know, I've done work, for example, in the airport, and I've seen you know you have electricians, plumbers, you know, grinding, soldering stuff. They don't have the proper, for example, a fire extinguisher next to you. You're, why isn't your boss at the top educating you? It's true. And then you're complaining that you're getting these fines. If I'm getting 250 bucks for a safety issue, well, see, the employer is getting fined at 550. The worker is getting fined at 250. I think I think the fine should be heavier. I, I that'll agree force with you. them to educate. I agree with you. Their yes. workers a lot better, and be, safety is such a huge issue. But kind of like the OBC and minimum code standards, it's designed so then you can still build a house and afford it because if you increase those standards, then most people won't be able to afford to build a house. Because right. you have to build it a certain way. So it's kind of like the same thing with these fines where if you give enough fines out, then, you know, people uh, will continue working because the fines are so small. Yeah. If the fines were triple, quadruple, whatever, tenfold, then you'd be like, well, I'm not going to be working then. You're going to fine me a thousand bucks. <laughs> and then they, then you'll lose the workforce. Yeah. It's double edge at that point, right? So, I, I mean, I want to go back to the start of the show that we were talking about how, like, drywall's got this aura around it. Like, everybody on social media thinks that they're a drywall god. <laughs> Nobody thinks that they're a drywall mortal. They right. all think they're gods. Right. Where does that come from, man? Just social media. The stuff on social media. I see people putting up a basement of drywall. And with social media, you know, music playing all that stuff, it's like, it's like a film. And you're putting up drywall, you know? Which, hey... Great. I'm a bit old school. Yeah. You know, I love social media, but I'm very simple. I just like to post my jobs, get my recognition. But a lot of homeowners, um, they love seeing that type of stuff on your Instagram page. You know, to them, it makes them look, you know, more professional, you know. But for me, I'm old school. You ever go, get called into like someone's just hung? I'm sure you've seen these videos, right? Where it's like pieces and pieces and pieces and pieces. And they're like, 
I don't even know how they figured out how to install this drywall like this, man. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, the, it's just they must have went through five boxes of screws just to put all these pieces together. Honestly, I was, uh, we had a basement rental that we took over about, uh, say, six months ago. Literally one guy, that was, it looked like a checkerboard. Strip, 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 bulging out. I told the homeowner, I said, um, did you do this yourself? She goes, oh, no, I had my drywall guy do it. You know, uh, he said the mudding will fix it. I said, I've heard that line before. Mudder will fix it. Yeah. Common line, mudder will fix it. Yeah, and then you're going to charge her how much now? Because you've got to tape every single joint. She goes, can you pass this? I'm like, uh, no. I said, I'm going to price you to take it down <laughs> and redo it. <sighs> You'd have to skim that whole wall out three, four, like, you know, three, four times to make it look good. So I priced her, take it out, redid it. And uh, she saw the difference in the end, but there's some crazy things I've seen. So you did rip it all out, and yeah. she agreed to that? Absolutely. So what was this guy, just using a bunch of offcuts that he just had from another job and that just installed it that way? I just think he didn't know what he was doing, man. That's exactly what it is. It was absolutely crazy. It was almost entertaining to see, I hate to say it. Wow. It was just a thousand screws. Just yeah. There was no scrap, at least. You know. Well, because it was all <laughs> secured. It was all installed. Yeah, he made her a puzzle. Now that's not the drywall artwork we want. No, that's crap, man. But yeah, that was definitely probably on the top of my list of uh, crazy things I've seen. I've seen on one job, a lady wanted baseboards. So her so-called handyman drywall, cut strips, put it all along the bottom, and he made her drywall baseboard. What are you talking about? Yeah. Like he doubled, <laughs> uh, put another layer in front of the... Five inches, he cut a strip of drywall, put it all around the baseboard, screwed it in. And he goes, yeah, he made me these baseboards. I'm just like, did he put a J mold on it at least? Nope. That was the raw drywall edge. He goes, he had leftover drywall, so he wanted to save me the cost of the baseboard. And I just, I said, this is creative, but this is terrible. <laughs> so that's that. That's the up there are too. People thinking, man, I don't get it. I don't know. When I see when I see stuff like that, it, it blows it blows my mind because you know I understand the homeowner may not know sometimes the different things, but. As someone in the industry, what are you doing, man? They don't care. You know, you don't care. It's reputation, but at the same time, it's you're making yourself like a moron. So how are you getting your work? Like, it's just all word of mouth, or is it? We're all word of mouth. Yeah, we have, like, an Instagram page and stuff, but uh, we've been word of mouth almost since day one. Yeah. So not too much uh, with the online and all that stuff, but uh, we just, like, you know, old school way, do a good job, get referrals, and, you know, now we're getting a bit more big into the Instagram over the past two years, posting stuff, and... You know, it's the one thing I do like about with the social Instagram, you're seeing how other guys do work and the way they do it. So it's nice you're seeing how everyone in the industry is kind of, uh, you know, does their trade. And I've learned a lot of good stuff from uh, from seeing uh, different things online. Definitely. Why is it that you're are, you're getting the calls or how is it that you're getting the calls to kind of come in and, and save the day? Because I got rid of that shit a long time ago, man. I just get so annoyed by it. I mean, like, call somebody from TV and get them to save your day because I don't care about saving your day. When it comes to the so-called day-saving ones, I go in, I you know, I give them a price, and that's it. A lot of homeowners want that, you know, they want you to show them mercy. Oh, I already spent you know two grand or three grand. At the end of the day, sometimes it's it's the price that they pay for being cheap. Show them mercy. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not trying to be a dick about not wanting to help them or save their day. I'm trying to educate them that you should have hired a professional from the beginning. Exactly. And stop hiring these people that are not professionals or stop doing it yourself yeah. and stop understanding that you can watch a TV show or a YouTube video and understand that this is how it works as a pro. It doesn't. There's a reason why there's professionals out there. Yeah, and the lady goes, oh, well, I got him off Kijiji. Okay. That's, that's not, a, I mean, I'm not knocking Kijiji completely, but I mean, the majority of bad people are on there. A lot of bad people. What I've, I, I'd say 70% are bad. There's 30% where it's just new people, you know, trying to Getting get started, which I'm all for sure, all for it. But what I tell my whole, like, you know, some of these so-called takeovers, here's the price. I'm not showing you mercy because I, I want to give you the best job. I don't want to give you what's here. So, and I always tell the homeowners, look, when it comes to my jobs, I tell them it's great to get three coats. Come see one of my jobs. They, a lot of them say, oh, I want pictures. Pictures are great. Oh, no, come and see it. Come and see it. They come and see it. They see the work. You know they're a bit more comfortable that they've seen what they what you know what they could be getting, and you know nine out of ten times it they go for it, even though the oh. price is dramatically higher, right? Yeah, it, it'll be dramatic. I think at that time, at that point, they've learned their lesson. See, that's the part of saving the day that I don't like because now they're already speaking to you about your price and they want to 
get you to negotiate your price because they've already wasted money on the wrong person. Yeah. But that's not a factor of your price anymore. No, it's it's like I tell them, if this was brand new, this is what my price would be. Yeah. But because now I got to take this out, fix it, redo it. That's so, am I charging you double? Not really. It's just, I got to take out this junk that's there and I got to redo it. That's what I try to try to explain to them. I know they don't like it. So we, you know, we try to be accommodating as possible at the end of the time. I'm not going to decrease my value just because someone doesn't know what they're doing. And it's nothing against the homeowner. It's just the way the person who did the job, you know? Yeah, but then the homeowner blames us. We're always to blame, though. We're always to blame for anything. And while a lot of times the so-called day-saving jobs, I avoid certain ones. Because even when you're going in there to, you know, save the day and all that stuff, I make it crystal clear what the expectation is that I'm giving them. Yeah. Because there's some day-saving jobs where you can't save the day. Yeah. And because they've already had a bad experience with this guy, they'll make that bad experience continue on to you. So if I, a lot of people in the industry, I tell them, just avoid them. It's, it's unless it's going to get financially compensated really well. And I would always tell everyone, do it from scratch. If Don't you, go on top of someone. If work. you want to be a tradesperson that comes into the industry and saves the day or help people out and all this other stuff, by all means, it's great for you. It's wonderful. It feels good. Keep the warm feeling, all that crap. You ain't going to make money. No. You won't survive. It's just a fact. You won't. You can't run a business on saving the day for everybody else that has made a mistake by hiring the wrong person. Yeah. Like I say, unless you rip it out from new and the homeowner is happy with having ripped out from new, then sure. But if you got to go on top... You're never going to make money. It's just too good to be true, man. And like the, the truth is that, yeah, you, you get a price and it's way too low. you got to start questioning it. This is t- way too good to be true. And I tell all my homeowners too, I do my business a bit differently. I don't know you sometimes. You don't know me. Yeah. Why are you, like I have one one house we're doing now, full reno. She gave a guy on a $40,000 reno, 30000 I said, but you, you don't know this. Before you did any work? Before you did any work. Why is she? Do- why? she some customers just don't know. Right? It's just not education. But what I do mine differently. Whatever the job is, I'll do it into multiple installments. So they see work progressing, we're getting compensated, and it makes them comfortable. This guy's not taking a big chunk of money. So, and hey, you never know, issues arise. They have a family issue, something happens, somebody dies. Hey, you haven't paid me a big chunk of money, but I'm paid for what I've done so far. So when I, I try to tell all customers, use that rule. Don't give someone a big, anyone who wants that massive of a deposit, I feel like they're out to get you. Of course. And what for me, like, like a lot of us construction people, you want your nice little chunk of meat at the end. You know, take that money up front. I think a lot of people just have to use common sense to don't give money to a stranger. The one thing that's taught me about this whole show, this show has taught me, is that enough with the final payment. Just have one last big chunk at the end that you, like for, for whatever argument's sake, the drywall stage. Right. Take that final, takes you right to the very end, and that's it. Back in the day, it was always about the five, you know, five or ten percent as your last payment. Yeah. But too many sc- clients were screwing people over, including myself. And then you, you either make the decision of you eat it and walk away, and you've done the job, it's finished. But now you're losing that five, ten percent point. I dropped it as low as two and a half points. I was like, so nice. then if I did get into a situation, I could eat the two and a half points, right? But I'm like, no, I'm not doing that anymore. It's one final payment of whatever, 20% for the final, and then we start at drywall, and then we go to the very end, we're done, and that's it. Then they can't screw you over at that point. Yeah. Everybody's in. That's it. Everybody's in. Everyone has to protect themselves. Our end, homeowners are protect themselves on their end, but, yeah, we've all gotten, you know, screwed part over. Part of the, the business, man. It's completely part of the business. Uh, I want to do the 12 questions, Raph. Let me, uh, Platinum Group. PlatinumContractors.ca, info at PlatinumContractors.ca, and on Instagram, uh, Platinum Group Toronto. You ready for this, bro? Let's do it. What is your favorite construction word? Hmm. Favorite construction? I'll say butt joint. (laughs) What is your least favorite construction word? Least favorite. Gut it. I hate the word gut it. When my demo guys say, oh, we're going to gut it. I don't know why. I just hate the word. Got it. Say you're going to take it out. So you got to gut it for? It's a dirty word. Dirty word. What turns you on in construction? Smooth walls. What turns you Oh, yeah, but that's got something to do with the framers. Yeah, but when I see a nice plastered smooth wall, makes me happy at the end of the this day. This is nice. What turns you off in construction? A messy job site. That's my biggest pet peeve. What is your favorite curse word? The F word. 
course. What's your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? Good old Dodge Ram. Best truck, work, work truck, going out truck, can't go wrong. What's your least favorite vehicle? Anything electric. <laughs> I'll keep that with the current Construction time. don't like electric. There you go, Andrew. Sorry to say. Andrew's got a Ford Lightning. Um, mind you, on that note, I was having a conversation with him. He's saying that he is a little concerned going into the winter. He has seen a drop off already regarding charging uh, range, mileage. A lot, of, a lot of us construction guys do a lot of traveling. For me, I do four or 500 kilometers a day driving around site to site. That's that's a charge right there. Yeah, what I can't just sit down and say, all right, let's wait five hours. I'd go, I'd go nuts. Can't do that. What is your least, or that's what, sorry, what construction sound or noise do you love? When a drywall screw goes in and you hear that nice noise. Clean, clean sound. Beautiful noise. What construction sound or noise do you hate? Construction I was in, I hate. Hmm. When you're running your knife over screws that are popping up when you're mudding and you hear that clicking noise. I call it the devil's noise. It's the worst. Because you're picturing this knife being damaged. Yeah. You got to find something, smash it in, pop it out. It's annoying. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Honestly, I've always been uh, been big on plumbing. Yeah? I've always fa- it's always fascinated me. Yeah. I've always wanted to get into it. And it's a trade that uh, you know a lot of people are in it. They do very well. Very well. money, man. All the plumbers I know start driving Porsche. Must be nice. <laughs> Must be nice. What profession would you not like to do? I'm not big on uh, heating and cooling, HVAC. It just scares me. Gas component, electrical. And heavy. Tough job. Just light the stogie. Uh, last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Hmm. I, I hope heaven's a world where all walls are finished. And we would just relax, dust free for the rest of our life. <laughs> that's, what, that's my type of heaven. Anything else you want to share, man? I think we covered quite a bit about your industry and what's going on. Yeah, honestly, thanks a lot for having us on the show. And, uh, you know, it was a pleasure. It was great. Thanks, man. So, again, Platinum Group, PlatinumContractors.ca, info at PlatinumContractors.ca, Platinum Group Toronto. Thanks so much, Raf. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Angelina. We out of here.